Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At it again, it's all right. Seeing the place to be here on this Tuesday, September 12th, 2022. Checking in from the Jersey Shore, broadcasting around the universe. Shout out to all the chat room people, the listeners around the globe, I should say, because that's what we do here. We bring it to you live, we bring it to you raw, we bring it to you uncut. Uh, we got Tone behind the stream, we'll pop him on the show later on in the scene. Uh, Good job from our friend Howard Balzer yesterday, talking some Eagles, going around the NFL, uh, broke, broke down, you know, the Eagles uh, week one matchup against the Lions. Very disappointing that they took their foot off the brakes, right? We talked about Coach Gannon yesterday. We need you to step your game up. Otherwise, Nick Sariani paging Vic Fangio, please. That's all. That's all we're asking. Okay, I didn't get into the NFL around the league yesterday. We talked so much Eagles. I'll do that today. Didn't even get to scratch the surface of the college football scene and landscape over there. So I'm excited to do that. And we got some really good guests lined up for you here today. Our new friend, Lindsey Young, over from Vikings.com will uh, check in with us in hour two. Coming up here in just a little bit, we'll have uh, Eddie Kratz. Eagles today checking in from SI.com. Always a pleasure to have him. We missed him last week on his travels and journeys. And hey, shout out to uh, Johnny Mac, Johnny McMullen checking in yesterday uh, on, on location out there in Detroit. So if you missed yesterday's show, the beautiful thing about Jacob Sports Channel is you can go back, watch the replay, catch all the archi archives of our guests. And it's all brought to you by Ocean Casino and Resorts. Have you been to the Eagles post-game show? It was bananas on Sunday. Monday night, they're going to blow the roof off the gallery, I heard. Uh, I'm going to try to make my way down there. It's been a little bit difficult. Uh, and by the way, I, I, I want to get a couple things out of the way uh, before we get underway. So, uh, one, big shout-out to the NFLPA. Uh, beautiful care package, but more importantly uh, – flowers and and bouquets and everything that you sent for samantha so i uh, can't thank you enough i know a lot of the nfl pa folks do tune into the show dane and willis and shout out to terry and lester so i can't thank you enough for that have uh have not had a chance to circle back and do all my thank yous bob wiley you're another one so thank you for the care package thank you uh for thinking of my wife samantha and can't thank you enough um one thing i noticed and maybe the, t maybe the TV just did a poor job showing it, but one observation from NFL week one, which happened to, ha to fall on 9-11, I thought it was a really poor job uh, honoring 
those from 9-11. Uh, I really do. You know, this, this is just 21 years ago. I guess this is what happens when you uh, get the, the, the next generation, right? The younger folks who weren't necessarily alive or remember or can uh, recall those uh, visions in their head. And so uh, I, I thought the NFL did a terrible job honoring because we never forget here. And, uh, you know, I did a terrible job on Friday. You know, it, it's funny because 9-11 fell on a Sunday. So we were here on a football Friday with a jam-packed show. By the way, I've been talking to Coach John D. Filippo, and uh, Flip might be a regular. We might have him back on the, on the football Friday. So be on the lookout for that. But we got so preoccupied with the football Friday and then the frantic Eagles uh, situation yesterday. I just dove right into it. Uh, I did not get a chance to honor those who fell victim, those who served and helped and honored. And so we'll do a quick uh, 10 second moment of silence here on the football playbook. That's what we do. Big shout out for waking up with me, RIC, in a place to be. Again, checking in from the Jersey Shore on the football playbook. Part 11, 11 episodes here, and it's all brought to you by Ocean Casino Resort in Atlantic City, one of my favorite places to be. Uh, before we get into the NFL around the league, who's down with JPP? Yeah, you know me. I mean, Brandon Graham is out for the season. Uh, make sure you follow Jacob Sports on Twitter because not only do they do a great job uh, keeping you up to date with all the shows, they do a great job with all the Eagles news. So Brandon Graham out for the season, torn ACL. And so now the big question is, what are they going to do with that roster spot? Okay. Uh, there are some options out there in the free agency situation. Derek Barnett, I'm sorry. Derek Barnett, out for the season, torn ACL. Thank you, Tone. Um, by the way, hit the like button if you like the show. And uh, Tone's always staying on top of me. Yes, Derek Barnett, guys, give me a break. I got you. I got you. Um, so JPP is out there. Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, formerly of your Super Bowl champion, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, formerly of your Super Bowl champion, New York Giants. And let's be honest, to me, it's, it's worth a roll of the dice. I think the Eagles got about $10.8 million in cap space to play with. You could probably sign JPP for, I guess, $6 million for the year. Take a flyer. Why not? Uh, Brandon Graham, I think he went down in the third quarter. He had played 12 reps until the injury. So, I mean, what are we, what are we asking out of JPP? 15, 20 reps? 20-ish? Go get the quarterback? <laughs> JPP. You know me. Again, Howie, make room in the closet. You got you got a chair, a stall or something for me to sit in and work the phone lines for you? <laughs> I got Vic Fangio on line one. I got JPP on line two. Hello? Looking to upgrade. What do we say? Roster spots 47 to 53. We're always looking to churn the bottom of the roster and improve. Why not? Why not? And I apologize. I didn't mean <laughs> to give everybody a heart attack with Brandon Graham. Derek Barnett, out for the season. I can't even keep up with the NFL. It's so fast moving. Uh, so 
we'll have Eddie Kratz on. We'll talk about it. There's some other options out there I heard brought up. Tack McKinley, the former first-round pick by the Falcons. I think he was even with the Cowboys. Kind of flamed out. Like, he never really developed or turned into anything to warrant first-round status. What do I want to waste my time with a guy like that? Give me JPP. That guy has to have close to, close to 100 career sacks, I would imagine. All right. I would I would imagine he has to have close to 100 career sacks. Give me the guy that's productive. Uh, Everson Griffin, I'm open to that. Very open to that. And I know he took last season off, had to get his mind right, you know, how to get his mind right. So, hey, the Eagles have dealt with that before. You got Lane Johnson there. Could be a good sounding board, maybe. Uh, maybe not as risque to bring him into the Eagles locker room as it would be another NFL locker room. So I'm open to Everson Griffin. Very, very open. JPP, come win a Super Bowl with me. <laughs> Let's do it, baby. Uh, to me, that's the power play. And, you know, the other option is in-house, Teron Jackson who I had to pull up his scouting report from the NFL Draft Bible. By the way, our 21st season of coverage, check us out, nfldraftbible.com, over on SI. Um, the scouting report on Teron Jackson coming out of Coastal Carolina, if you remember, they were uh, that was that magical carpet ride where Coastal Carolina went 11-1. and And uh, Coach the Mullet, uh, good friend of the show, by the way, we should pop him on. The mullet mania ran wild. They beat uh, BYU and uh, Louisiana. I think their lone loss came to Malik Willis and Liberty, if, if memory serves me correctly. But um, posting outstanding production, Jackson possesses a tireless motor, makes all the plays all over the field, has a notable power profile to play through contact, low center of gravity to maintain proper leverage. Jackson sets a physical edge, demonstrating outstanding hand hand combat, and violence. As a linear athlete, Jackson has enough juice to threaten the corner but lacks the overall twitch and explosiveness to turn and run. He is the most accentuated as a moving piece along the defensive front, boasting alignment versatility to work multiple different spots. Uh, on the inside, Jackson's quickness is way too much for interior offensive linemen to handle with a powerfully built frame, a move inside may be advantageous for his long-term impact at the next level. Jackson is not the perfect fit working off the edge full-time, but could provide huge value for an NFL team somewhere on day three. And he came out of college, uh, let's see here, six foot, two and a half, 260 pounds, ran a four, eight, eight. So a great athlete, but you know, they're, at six foot two and a half, when you play defensive end in the NFL, usually not only do you lack the height or the length, but you also typically uh, lack the arm length, you know, to survive on the edge. That's why the scouting report is saying maybe he's better suited with that get off on the interior where he can work those little alligator arms a little bit more, those violent alligator arms he possesses a little bit more efficiently. So, that's the that's the skinny on Teron Jackson coming out of Coastal Carolina. You want that guy or you want Jason Pierre-Paul? Talk to me, chat room. What do you think? <laughs> what do you think? 91 and a half career sacks? Thank you, Wilfredo. Shout out to Jay and Steven and Lucius 
Uh, hit the like button. Ariok the Red, haven't seen you in here before, but welcome to the show. Buckle up. It's uh, the Football Playbook, Part 11 here on September 12, 2022. Just getting started with you. We've got Eddie Kratz coming up in about 15 minutes. Uh, before we do, I want to get into some NFL news and notes. Um, in terms of the Eagles, you know, I, I mentioned it briefly yesterday in talking to Howard Balzer, I believe. Uh, 48.5% of the offensive plays were play action. A lot of RPO and a lot of QB rushes. But out of the play action package, Jalen Hurts, very efficient, 10 of 16, 112 yards passing. This is the ticket for Eagle success. This is the formula on how the Eagles win. Now, I hear some other shows. Big shout out to Jeff Kerr around the NFC East. Mac and Mac, Birds 365. There are concerns. The sports take guys, Dan Cilio, there's concern about the durability over the long haul as to whether, you know, not just Jalen Hurts, any quarterback can sustain 17 hits in addition to all the other hits. And Sariani in the press conference, if you've seen it, the reporter even asked very candidly, yo, coach, are you cool with that? Like, you cool with Jalen getting all these these hits? And and Sariani was like, I don't know if he got it at first. He was like, Yeah, you know, man, that's what I was saying, trying to tell the refs, like, dude, he's taking all these unnecessary hits and you know, getting hit after the whistle, yada yada yada. And the reporter was like, Yeah, Nick, coach, doesn't that concern you when he runs the ball so much? See exhibit A, Carson Wentz. I talked about it with Coach Flip on Friday. He talked about it when he was quarterback coach with the Eagles. Like, dude, you've got to be a smart runner. And Jalen is. So is Kyler Murray. Remember Kyler Murray? When people were saying, hey, he could be in the MVP contention, right? Because he just knows how to deflect hits. He just does such. I heard, I heard, uh, who was it? Somebody, coach speak the other day. Oh, he just does. I think it was Sariani. Oh, Jalen does such a good job of just rolling with the hits. He just deflects the hits so well, but you're still getting hit, bro. It's just one hit, that elbow into the turf, done, game over, right? So I don't care what quarterback you are. No quarterback is going to survive that week in and week out. Not in the NFL season, not when you buckle up and expect to play 21 games, not when you expect to be playing football when the calendar turns in January and February, are you kidding me? And look at what happened when Kyler Murray got hurt. One dimensional pocket passer, very easy to shut down in the NFL. Some bad defensive coordinators in this league look no further than our own backyard, but make Kyler Murray one dimensional, pretty easy to shut down in the league where they play for pay. Okay. So, I mean, you just got to get better standing in there a little bit longer. Like, you know, Geno Smith, give that man some credit last night. He hung in there, took some big hits, threw the ball down. Who was that man, by the way? Was that Geno Smith? (laughs) Who was that guy? My God. Reincarnated. Geno. By the way, I mean, I have no problem. I have no beef with the Seahawks fans booing. Russell Wilson, but let's remember, let's remember Pete Carroll is the one that encouraged this 
leading into the game by saying, hey, I ain't going to tell the 12th man what to do. Hey, I ain't going to tell the 12th man what to say. Hey, I'm going to leave it up to the fans. But he said, hey, I think they know what they need to do. Enough said, Petey. You know what? For now on, we're going to call Petey, Petey Carroll, Petey Pablo. Because he's just shaking it like a salt shaker over here. Big shout out to good buddy Pete Carroll out there in Seattle. And uh, big shout out to Amanda Ruler, Seattle Seahawks coach. I saw her profiled on the NFL pregame show, uh, Woman in Football, great piece. And, of course, she's the most energetic and exciting and inspirational uh, woman interviewed in that segment, I thought, anyway. By the way, tomorrow is a Woman in Football Wednesday. Our regular uh, guest, Kayla Santiago, will be checking in uh, along with who's got the herb. Glenn Irby checking in from uh, USA Today, Eagles Wire. Uh, so we'll get down on that Wednesday. Thursday, we'll have Dane Vandernat, Neil Stratton working on Coach Flip for Friday. Ralph Ventry will bring the axe. We'll go around the league again. Uh, so a lot of big things this week on the football playbook. But you know what's a big thing that happened last night? Nate Hackett. Hello, my friend. Hello, my friend. And, you know, I listen to Coach Nick Sariani, and I wonder if sometimes he's just in over his head. Because he has no clue what's going on with the defense. I mean, listen, you could just listen to the interview post-game press conference and read the tea leaves. The guy is clueless what's going on in that defensive room. Now, this is why I say it's on him, though, to, to, to tell Gannon to make those adjustments. We all see it. I'm all over the place now, but it's almost like I... I was picking up my daughter uh, up north, so I threw some uh, sports talk on, see what they were talking about on, on New York Sports Radio. And these guys crack me up, bro. Like, the talking heads in New York are still saying, like, well, you know, the Giants are 1-0, and and we're still, you know, we're, we're trying to find out if Daniel Jones is the franchise quarterback. Really? <laughs> really? You're, you're still trying to determine whether or not Daniel Jones – is your franchise quarter a guy who started 40 games, won 13 of them in the National Football League? Oh, by the way, in those 40 starts, he's got 30 picks and 39 fumbles. <laughs> oh, well, we're still gauging whether or not Daniel Jones is our starting quarterback. I got news for you. Brian, biggest day balls of them all. He's just waiting it out, man. He's just waiting until Tyrod Taylor's healthy. Just waiting. Okay? Give me a break. Okay? By the way, I love how Dayball got in his face in that end zone interception. Like, bro, what are you doing? Get your head in the game. Saquon Barkley won that game, by the way. Not Daniel Jones. <laughs> what do they say? GTFOH? Anyway, I'm all I'm all over the place. What I what I was trying to say is Nick Sariani might be over his head, but nobody's more over his head than Nate Hackett. Maybe Dan Campbell. <laughs> Dan Campbell gifting the Eagles a victory on Sunday, but uh, Nate Hackett, what are you doing, bro? So let me get this right. It was fourth and five. You just traded 
the ranch for Russell Wilson. Oh, by the way, I think you just guaranteed him like $196 million, $46 million a year, whatever the case may be. You just gave up all these first-round picks, all these big piles of cash for Russell Wilson, fourth and five, three timeouts, and you elect to kick a 64-yard field goal? Man, Nate, buddy, good thing you don't coach in Philly, brother. And this guy, you know, listen, you know Paul Hackett, I'll tell you that. This guy gets a head coaching job based on what? Being Aaron Rodgers' pom-pom shaker? Nate Hackett? You know, when, when all that Aaron Rodgers drama was unfolding, if you remember correctly, that's when Nate Hackett got the job. And I think that's the only reason why Nate Hackett got the job because Elway was talking to Rodgers. They were kind of touchy-feely seeing what's shaking. They got Hackett because they thought they might have a chance at Rodgers. Then when they realized they didn't have Rodgers, they traded for Wilson. That's how, that's how it really went down. They didn't really want Paul Hackett as their head coach. So now you got a head coach you don't want, making poor decisions, paying a quarterback $46 million a year, that you just gave up multiple first-round picks for. But no, we're going to kick a 64-yarder. And I love you, Brandon McManus. Temple pride. Temple tough. But a 64-yarder? Come on, son. Bro. <laughs> Bro, come on, son. So, Seattle, suddenly the first-place Seahawks and Geno Smith are rip ready to go. Woo! <laughs> Your first-place Seattle Seahawks, everybody. A toss sitting atop that NFC West. Buckle up. Oh, man. Eddie Kratz is coming up in about 10 minutes or so. Uh, we talked about Carson Wentz. He outdukes uh, our good friend Doug Peterson. Washington Commanders get the W. Uh, we talked about the Giants. Brian, biggest day balls of them all. That's the gutsiest call of the week right there. Brian Dayball going for it. Going for two. Going for the win. Woo! Man, did you see they, did you see him in the locker room? He's got some moves too. Okay, coach. Did you see that? I'm just upset that the video didn't come with any audio. I want to know what they were getting down to. Like, please drop the link in the chat if there's a video with the audio. I want to know what he was dancing to. Was he was he saying, "You down with JPP?" Yeah, you know me. <laughs> ah, I see you, coach. Speaking of other people's property, good friend Jim Nagy down there at the Senior Bowl, I saw a tweet from him that was kind of a mind twister. He said, hey, how about this one? Howie Roseman gave up a sixth-round pick for Gardner Menshew. What if he were able to flip that to Dallas for a second-round pick? Makes you think. What a, what a heist that would be. Would you do it? I have to say no way. You know why? There's an old saying. The most important position in football is quarterback. The second most position, second most important position in, in football is your backup quarterback. It's the truth. And so, I mean, you would have to give me a first round pick, which I don't think Dallas would do to take Gardner Menchu off my hands. But if you give up Gardner Menchu, now you have the same problem the Dallas Cowboys just had a moment ago where if Hertz goes down, 
There's no Aflac. Your season's over. And right now, the Cowboys, I got the ditch over in AC already dug. <laughs> the ditch is dug. Hey, we don't have deserts out here, but we got plenty of sand for those Dallas Cowboys. I wouldn't give up Menchu to help out Dallas. Wouldn't do it. Can't do it. Won't do it. Interesting, though. It'd have to be like a second-round pick with a condition that it can convert into a first-round pick somehow. Maybe I would consider it. But no way, Jose, I say. So the Giants come back, and uh, the missed field goal by Tennessee. Somebody check in on Ryan Tannehill, make sure he's okay. Uh, Titans 0-1. Pittsburgh, we talked about uh, – Man, another coach in the locker room getting down on it, man. Mike Tomlin and Brian Dayball, we got to have a dance-off. But how about the Steelers, man? Joey Burrow, four interceptions and a fumble. Man, here's what I like about Joey Burrow, though. I was watching one of these pregame shows, which I usually don't do, but it was week one. I figured, let me give it a shot. And I, and I, and I jest, Ryan Tannehill, I jest. But... This is why this is why Joe Burrow's my quarterback because they asked him he was doing one of these sit down interviews and he kind of brushed off the uh, Super Bowl loss and and the reporter had a follow up question they're like wait what you mean that loss doesn't bother you and Joe Burrow's like bro it's a football game what do you want me to do what's done is done <laughs> I'm worried about now that's my quarterback Joey B I see you. By the way, I heard Jalen Hurts. I didn't. I didn't see it, but I heard about it. I heard Jalen Hurts was giving Joey Joey uh, Broadway a little bit of run for his money in terms of the pregame attire. You got a picture of that tone? Did you see that? I heard. I heard Jalen was styling and profiling on his way into that Motown affair. <laughs> um, trying to get around the league here, so we got uh, Saints and Falcons. Falcons went on the field goal. Marcus Mariota, remember him. Uh, Carolina and Cleveland, Baker Mayfield. I just saw him crying, making excuses again post game. Get over it, bro. Carolina, I thought Chicago was going to be picking number one. I think Carolina is going to be picking number one. Uh, Houston and Indianapolis. I told you, Houston is my upstart surprise team. I don't know how many W's it translates into. I think they're a seven win team. I don't think, you know, Vegas had them at four and a half. I think. The Texans are a borderline playoff team. Again, great drafting since Nick Cesario has come on board. Um, what else we got? Dolphins took care of business over the uh, Patriots. That whole New England offense with with uh, Matt Patricia and Joe Judge is a disaster. Just a disaster. Now Mac Jones has a back problem. What a what a what a bad start in New England. Baltimore, like I said, my lock of the week. This game was over before it started, and, and now Robert Saleh has the nerve to tell the media he's keeping receipts. He's che He's got checks and balances at Robert Saleh, the winner of, what, five games in three years? He's keeping receipts, and he wants to let the media know that. Way to win him over in New York, Robbie. The last coach that did that, Rex Ryan, at least he won ball games. 
all that yip yap, they're going to run you out of town now even quicker, bro. Uh, how about the Chargers? They take care of business over the Raiders, 24-19. Uh, I mentioned the Steelers. That was bittersweet. Sounds like J.J. Watt could be lost for the season for a torn peck. I don't know uh, if that's confirmed. Patrick Mahomes dominated. We talked with Howard Balzer about that yesterday. Uh, Khalil Mack, what a day. Did you see that day? Four tackles for loss, three sacks, I think an interception, forced fumbles. What an addition to have Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack just wreaking havoc for the Chargers. Maybe this is finally the year the light bulb turns on there. And then, uh, hey, San Francisco, there's another team full of excuses. Hey, the weather. Hey, uh, let's have a huddle with the veteran committee. Hey, guys. Hey, uh, Kyle Shanahan. Hey, guys, I need I need you guys to have Trey's back. We brought back Jimmy, but but I need you to support Trey because he sucks. <laughs> but I need you to have his back, okay? The veteran committee, like, we don't need a schism in the locker room. Bro, as soon as you do that, there's a schism. The fact that you got to call your veteran players on the side, like, what's with the side conversation, first of all? Address the team as a unit, as a whole. Now, if the media finds out about this, you don't think the locker room hears about it and divides the locker room? Come on, man. I don't know. Uh, Kyle Shanahan gets all this credit. I know the Jimmy G situation unfolded in his favor. I thought he handled it terribly. I know they made two deep runs into the playoffs. The other three or four years, they didn't even make the playoffs. I mean, they live in a cushiony San Francisco media fanfare uh, out there by the Bay. So I don't think there's any pressure on him. But, man, if he was coaching in Philly, he'd be on the hot seat. Man, what? I'll try to break down some more NFL. Don't get me started, people. Don't get me started. I'll try to break. I got more notes. Got college football to talk about. But first, when we come back from the break, got our good friend checking in. To recap the Eagles-Lions, preview the Eagles-Vikings, it's the Football Playbook Part 11 edition here on this September 13th, 2022, brought to you by Ocean Casino Resorts in Atlantic City. Woo! Diana Ross is on fire. Woo! The, the, the Jazz Festival's coming this weekend. Woo! Check out the Ocean Casino Resorts and hit the like button while we pay some bills. We'll be back after this. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. 
It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go birds! <clears throat> go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go Bird! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds. Back at it again. It's the football playbook. Rick Saratella here, joined by Ed Kratz. Eagles today over there on SI.com. Checking in to talk some uh, Eagles recap, some Eagles preview. Ed, we missed you last week. Good morning. Thanks for checking in and making sure we're okay. And, uh, hey, the Eagles, uh, they're going to be okay. But a little bit of news. Let's start off with Derek Barnett out for the season. Uh, Where do the Eagles go to plug this hole? Yeah, good to be with you, Rick. Uh, I know everything's okay with you, man. I, I know you got this whole thing under control, bud. Um, but, uh, yeah, Barnett is uh, – listen, he's a good player. He's a veteran player, but he's not a 10-sack guy that this defense is losing. Um, you know, he, he does his job pretty well. He's a hustler on the field. Nick Sirianni talks about his grittiness and his toughness and playing nasty and all the above. But uh, – to me, it's it's a marginal loss. It's not a great loss. It's not like losing Dak Prescott to a broken thumb or whatever it was in week one. Um, I think the Eagles have some in-house uh, possibilities to replace Derek Barnett, no doubt. Um, you know, Teron Jackson, their second-year edge rusher from that football powerhouse, Coastal Carolina, uh, he's waiting in the wings. He was inactive on Sunday, kind of a surprise inactive for me because he had such a good summer. Um, and he's a guy that played like 23% of the snaps last year, had a sack, forced a fumble, made 17 tackles. I mean, he's a guy that now that will probably see an increase in reps. Um, they can replace a Derek Barnett. I'm not concerned about it. It's not like they lost, I don't know, Jordan Milata, uh, where, you know, Andre Dillard still hurt. I mean, who's going to play left tackle if Milata goes down? I mean, it came at a position where the Eagles have possibilities. They could go out on the street. JPP sitting out there, Jason Pierre, Paul, what does he have left? Would he be somebody that the Eagles could maybe say, hey, let, let's see what he has left. 
came into the league in 2010 with Brandon Graham. Um, you know, he, he's possible. Everson Griffin, I think, is still out there. The Vikings, uh, former Vikings, great pass rusher. He's 34 years old now. Uh, but frankly, Rick, I'd be surprised if they went on the street and brought somebody in because I think they have enough guys in-house to handle it. Beyond Taron Jackson, Teron Jackson, they have like Paul Johnson can play. Uh, or Patrick Johnson, excuse me, he can line up as an edge rusher. Kyron Johnson, the rookie, he can line up as an edge rusher. I mean, they have guys they can float in and out of there to cover uh, Barnett's loss. Well, we talked about the Eagles' depth, it seemed like, tirelessly all summer long, and this is where depth comes in handy. But, you know, I know they restructured some deals last week. They've got about $10 million in cap space, I believe. That's right. I mean, you can't tell me a team that's that's – built to win this season is going to roll the dice on rookies and young. I mean, JPP and Everson Griffin are, are pro bowl caliber players. Isn't that an upgrade? I mean, well, you can maybe get five to- years ago they were, I mean, listen, I don't, I don't know what they have left in the tank, those guys, but yeah, I, th- I think it'd be worth a flyer to bring them in and give them a workout, see what they got. Maybe they can help. Um, but you're right. They are built to win now. Um, you know, you don't want to have to go too much with the rookies there, but again, I, I just think that, these guys can handle it. Um, and they, you're right. They did restructure the contracts, $10 million or so under the cap. My thinking is, is they're going to try to extend some guys here with that, you know, get, get you know, extend some contracts, uh, some candidates, maybe a TJ Edwards, who's in the last year of his deal or the linebacker played every snap on Sunday in Detroit. Um, but yeah, I, that would, I, that's where I think they would like to use the money. Now, maybe they say, Hey, well, maybe we do need to bring a veteran in here. You know, is Teron Jackson good enough? I thought he looked like he deserved a shot to show what he could do. And, and we'll see what they think. No, I like Teron Jackson. I just think that if you can get a guy 10 cent on the dollar, catch lightning in a body. Remember Justin Houston at the end, he retired and then he played like another three. He was with the Colts one year, he was with the Chiefs another yeah. year. And you're just looking for like 15 snaps, like 15 snaps a game. That's all we need, right? Go get the quarterback. And I'll give you that. Like, I remember JPP's pro day. He did all those backflips. He wasn't really a, a lock to be a first-round pick. But once he did, like, seven, eight, nine backflips in a row there at pro day, everybody's like, oh, I got to work with that piece of clay. <laughs> and, uh, all about the backflip. Yeah, all about the backflip and, and the M80. Minus <laughs> a- <laughs> hey. Yeah. I got one thumb up for JPP. Bring him to Philly, (laughs) baby. Come on. Come ride with me, JPP. Mr. Hollywood, by the way, uh, good friend of the show. Hey, we got Ed Kratz, a terrific friend of the show, over at Eagles Today, SI.com. In fact, I think you even wrote an article breaking down some of the options that the Eagles could look to fill that hole at defensive end. We know one thing. There's going to be a move made on this 53-man roster. Maybe they take a guy on the inside play some outside and involve our guy Jordan Davis a little bit more. Cause I saw, I saw a stat. I don't know how true this is pro football focus. I think says it. So we'll give them that. But on the 22 run plays that or 22 plays that Jordan Davis was in there, the Lions only averaged, I think 2.9 yards per carry. The rest of the time when he wasn't in there, it was like 10 yards per carry. Like, you know, and I saw somebody in the chat say, hey, Sirianni did address in his in his post game, like there's some things to clean up. Well, yeah, and there's some personnel to that can be improved upon. Like Jordan Davis showed he can play some some ball. He needs more than 22 reps, right? 
I agree. I, but, you know, going into that game, Rick, I thought, you know, maybe 25 to 30 snaps would be good for him. He got less than that. And you're right. He did. Uh, the Eagles seemed to be more effective when he was in there. I don't know how pro football focus breaks all that down, but I don't think it was just Jordan Davis. I think when they had those second team guys in Milton Williams and uh, Marlon Tui Latu lined up next to Jordan Davis in those five man fronts. I thought they were very good at stopping the run and Marlon T he was the highest rated uh, player by pro football focus defensive lineman for the Eagles. I mean, he had a really good game, Marlon T. And I think, that you know, if you look at that game tape and Jonathan Gannon better look at it pretty hard uh, because he needs to figure this personnel thing out uh, quickly because the Vikings are, you know, they're not going to come in and roll over for you in your home opener. Um, you're going to see Marlon T showing up, Milton Williams and Jordan Davis. And that calls into question Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave. Now, maybe Hargrave was impacted a little by a toe injury that cost him three weeks uh, of camp. But listen, I mean, those guys to me just weren't effective, Cox and Hargrave. And, uh, I, you know, again, you're talking about veteran players that you want to be a part of this expectations of going to the Super Bowl. And, you know, maybe it's the younger guys that they need to throw in there a little bit more to be more effective. So, you know, we'll see how Gannon figures all that out. But Milton Williams is a guy, Rick, that they can throw on the outside. You mentioned moving guys around on that front. Milton yeah. Williams has that inside-outside capability. So he's another piece that maybe you could use to, you know, to kind of spackle that hole that Barnett left behind. I noticed you wrote that on SI.com, and I actually like that logic a lot. And if Hargrave is still feeling the effects of that toe, that just – states the case for Jordan Davis to get more, more snaps in, in my opinion. So I yeah. hope, I hope they make the necessary personnel adjustments. Will Jonathan Gannon make the, the necessary corrections on his defensive scheme. Cause I thought they played a good first half, a defense. There was some pressure there. Maddox on the blitz, a couple other guys uh, coming in and, and, you know, some run blitz action, you know, uh, I think the Kaiser White tipped interception of Bradbury was on a blitz. And then the second half, they took the foot off the gas. They let him off the hook. And suddenly, 17, up 17 points in the fourth quarter. Suddenly, we're holding our breath to the to the last second here. Is Gannon going to sh- right the ship? Well, he better. Listen, I think a big part of the problem, and I, and I was a big Gannon defender last year. You know, the defense was kind of up and down. And I thought, well, he doesn't have the personnel you know, to do what he wants. Now, now he has the personnel. So it's going to be on Gannon absolutely to utilize this personnel correctly. I'll say this though. I think Rick, I was in that post-game locker room in Ford field and I turned to a colleague, I'm looking around at all these Eagles. I said, do they look like exhausted to you? Like I've never seen so many players look so wiped out. They're sweating uh, you know, and this is 15 minutes after the locker room opens. You have to have that cooling off period. But, you know, you had guys sitting on stools. Landon Dickerson couldn't even get off his stool to do an interview. He just sat there with his arms on his knees. I mean, these guys look really tired. And Fletcher Sirianni, Cox was gassed. He, he, they were, yeah, they, they weren't in football shape. If you're not doing football things like they didn't do all summer long, then you're not going to be in football shape when the when the curtain lifts up on the season. So that, to me, was a huge issue was their football conditioning you know, they're playing in this environment that was, listen, I barely felt any air conditioning in there. I wonder if the Ford Field maintenance staff was under direct orders to kind of keep keep that building hot because there was very little air flowing in there. I was sweating in the in the rafters at the press box. So I imagine it was pretty warm on the field. And, you know, maybe that was by design or not. I don't know. But the Lions were certainly better conditioned 
to, to be ready for football shape than the Eagles were. So to me, that that's something Nick Sirianni said Monday. No, that's not an issue. Conditioning. No, but what coach is going to say, it yeah, sure we're, is. we're out of shape. You know, no, we saw it down. We, we, yeah. we, we heard about it with you and Johnny Mack down in Miami there, they couldn't run up and down a field with the dolphins. We saw it in week one and we called them out. Like you want to have 60 minute practices. What do you, what for? So you can do chalk talk, get out yeah. of here. You can do that on your own time, on your right. own dime. I mean, yeah. give me a break. Run some laps. You guys are gassed in week one. Hey, work on some special teams. How about that? If you want to run a 60-minute practice, keep the special teams out there. So we talked about it. Nick Sariani, sometimes you got to look the man in the mirror, right? Because you can lie to the media, but when you take that walk over to the bathroom in the morning, you can't cheat the man in the mirror. You can't lie to that man. So That's Nick right. Sariani needs to do some soul-searching. Spe- speaking of special teams, Reading over at the Eagles today, I learned uh, Marcus Epps played 14 special team snaps, which I was not aware of. Now, I beat up on Marcus Epps on the show a little bit yesterday because he gave up the slant touchdown. He got dragged by uh, uh, some of those running backs there on, on some plays. And there was a lot of good, right? Don't get me wrong. There was a lot of good from Marcus Epps, but there was also some liability there. Are you comfortable with the safety position? Is this an area of concern? I know – Kevon Wallace only got like four snaps. So Epps and, and CD Juice pretty much played the entire game. You comfortable uh, the rest of the way with that combination? I wasn't comfortable in the summer with this safety group, to be honest with you. Um, you know, Marcus Epps showed some good things in the summer, but I, you know, I think his coverage, I think we saw his coverage ability is, you know, a little lacking. Um, you know, we saw that kind of exposed against the Lions. Now, you know, maybe, you know, he just needs to get uh, work and more film study and things like that and understand what offenses are trying to do to kind of give him an edge to cover up, you know, maybe some of his, de- of his deficiencies in, in covering uh, receivers down the field one-on-one because he did give up some plays there. But, you know, listen, Epps to me was an Iron Man in that game. I mean, he played every single snap, all 69 uh, reps against the Lions he took and he played, like you said, the 14 special team snaps, which was about 50% of those snaps on the special team. So that guy was like an Iron Man. He was out there, uh, you know, running around, uh, doing the best he could. He did make a great tackle on a, on a kind of a torpedo to tackle or on a short throw, lost two yards. So, listen, I think he's going to be a work in progress. I think the safety group in general is going to be a work in progress when you add C.J. Juice. Is that what you called him? C.G. Juice? C.D. Juice. C.D. Juice. Yeah, C.D. Juice. <laughs> you know, that guy, I mean, he played like all but three snaps. And yeah. He, he just got here in the last day of August, and he's out there running around doing the best he could. Was it a perfect game? No, but he was. you can see that I think he's going to help this defense as the season goes on. It's just going to take a little bit of time for him to grow into it. But uh, that's the one encouraging thing I'll say about this group. I mean, I, I was probably more concerned about it in the summer, but when they got CD Juice, now I'm on board, man. I think it's a, a group that will get better as the season goes along with uh, the Juice in the in the secondary there. Yeah, not not Beetlejuice. That's me trying to keep my head on straight over here, but CD Juice. All right. Ed Kratz, Eagles Today, SI.com, holding it down here on the football playbook, along with Rick Saratella, taking you up to 12 o'clock sports take, guys. One more on defense until we turn over to the offense with you. Hassan Reddick. You know, I looked high. I looked low. The only time I could see him is when I was eating my cereal in the morning on the back of the milk cart. And what are your thoughts and impressions with Hassan Reddick? Uh, yeah, I must've had the same milk carton as you pouring my cereal the other day, but, uh, no, listen, uh, 
yeah, you got to do more with him. He's got to do, you know, to use the old Andy Reid euphemism, you got to do a better job there. I mean, he just, he was invisible. He was. I mean, let's face it. He's got to, they brought this guy in there to affect the passing game of an opposing offense. And he didn't really do it. I mean, the Eagles had to bring pressure to get to Goff. I mean, they only had a sack in that game. Uh, and that's a concern when you're a defense that only had 29 of those things last year. And you open the season and you have one that's shared between the two old guys, Cox and Graham. Uh, that's concerning. Reddick has to – and, again, it, maybe it's a personnel thing. Maybe it, – or not a person. Maybe it's a scheme thing that Gannon has to say, hey, we, where was Reddick? Well, let's just zone in on Reddick and see where we had him lined up. Are we using him the most effective way? Um, yeah, but he, he's got to, you know, pick his game up uh, because the Eagles can't – especially Monday night, Kirk Cousins. I mean, you know, with that weapon weaponry that he has, you can't give him time uh, to let Justin Jefferson get open, you know, 25 yards down the field. So Reddick's got to show up. And listen, he's got the body of work the last two years that says he will. And we'll see if he does. And these guys are getting paid big, big bucks, along with Fletcher Cox, gassed out. Uh, yeah. Javon Hargrave trying to get an extension. So, you know, you got to earn that dollar. Um, yeah, but shifting over in the trenches on the offensive line, we, mar we mentioned Marcus Epps. I believe the entire uh, starting offensive line unit played every single snap, and we saw the byproduct of that. The run game couldn't be any better. When you run for four touchdowns with four different players, and it hasn't happened in 60-something years, you had a good day on the ground. Uh, thoughts and impressions on the offense overall? You know, a lot of people are going to talk about Devonta Smith only getting four targets. Otherwise, I thought the offense was efficient. Your your thoughts? Yeah, I, I thought the offense did some good things. It was up and down. I mean, you know, again, maybe it was the crowd noise, but they had, you know, a couple false starts. They had twice they had 12 men in the huddle, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, not good. They had to burn a timeout. I thought they were slow to get out of the huddle a lot of times. And I don't know if that's because Hertz couldn't hear what was being called in because it was so rocking and rolling inside Ford Field. But uh, that, that's unacceptable. You have to be a little bit quicker as an offense. You have to know what you're doing as far as who's supposed to be on the field. I mean, those are probably first week mistakes coupled with the noise. Um, but, yeah, I thought, like you said, when you get rushing touchdowns from, you know, your three running backs and your quarterback, something that hasn't been done since 1961. And I'd give you the names of who did that, but I didn't recognize a single one of them when I saw it. I, I don't even remember them now. So, um I won't do that, but that was impressive, you know, the, the rushing touchdowns. But they were from short distance, too. I think, you know, two of them from were a yard out. Another one was from two yards out. So, you know, the Eagles made it a little easy on themselves to, to get those rushing scores. But uh, you'd like to see a passing touchdown mixed in there. You know, I saw a stat record. Sonny Jurgensen was on that team, by the way. Sonny Jurgensen. <laughs> he was doing a good job handing the ball off down near the goal line, I guess, because, you know, four <laughs> running backs had touchdowns. And, and, you know, go ahead and dig deeper into that research uh, book you have there, Rick, because I, I can't – I think Ted Dean might have been one of them. You know, but I, I don't know who Ted Dean is. Ed, you mean um, you weren't alive to see it happen? We got <laughs> we to check, check in on Howard Balzer when he comes yeah. back. Yeah, it was close. It was close to my – you know, when I, when I started this life, but not quite. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Balls might know. Howard Balzer might know. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, but I thought the offense did some good things. You know, it did some bad things. I thought – Hertz was under pressure all day long. I mean, they were bringing guys that, you know, they were outnumbering the Eagles offensive front. 
um, you know, bringing guys that they didn't account for. And Hertz didn't have a whole lot of time to sit in that pocket and read those defenses. I mean, he had to get out of there and move quickly because they, he was under fire the whole time. So, you know, again, something they have to get figured out. How are we going to protect? Maybe we leave a tight end in instead of sending Goddard and Stoll out for patterns, leave one of them in. But we need to get more guys blocking up front because this, to me, it's not sustainable for Jalen Hurts to take off and run as much as he's doing, especially in the opener. Uh, we yeah. saw what happened last year. The end of November, he hurts his ankle against the Giants, misses a game, comes back, not the same quarterback. End of the season, he has ankle surgery. So, you know, I would think, okay, let's, let's you know, sacrifice a couple first downs here in September, get rid of the ball quickly, and be fresher once we get into the meat and potatoes of the schedule November and December. Yeah, probably a big reason why Jack Stahl was uh, activated and Grant Calcaterra was not. Was that injury or performance or situational? Well, and they activated Noah Tungiai from the, you know, they elevated him from the practice squad. They even threw a pass to him that he dropped. So I don't know how wise of a move that was. But, you know, Tungiai got 11 or yeah. 12 snaps. Uh, Calcaterra is a, is a uh, he's a pass catching tight end at this point in his career, which is very early, obviously, in his career. Needs to learn to block. I mean, you know, that's one thing. And he missed the good part of camp. So he's a little behind on that front. So, um, you know, maybe as we go through the season here, maybe against Minnesota, he'll be active. But he's got to learn to block because that's a big role for these second and third tight ends because Goddard's the guy that's going to catch your passes at the tight end. Your second and third tight ends need to block because they're not going to get a lot of targets. Yeah. You know, we've seen such little of Grant Calcaterra. It feels like a project. At this point, you just hope that he can even contribute maybe in the second half of the season. All right, Eddie Kratz here, Eagles Today, SI.com. Always a pleasure on the football playbook. Before we let you go, you were out there in Detroit, first sold out home game in three years. Hey, the Eagles took their best shot. They took it on the chin, and they with, you know, a, we've heard this all week weekend. Like, a W is a W, and we'll take it. So they took the, they took the Lions' best shot. They hold on for the W, but are you buying into this whole Dan Campbell rebuilding project out there? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think the receivers are that good, to be honest. Maybe when Jamison Wilson Williams comes back, the kid they drafted from Alabama in the first round, traded up to get him. Otherwise, maybe the Eagles take him and A.J. Brown's not here. But, man, A.J. Brown's so good. Um, but, yeah, as far as the receivers go, I'm not too sure that they're, you know, high-level NFL type receivers um, and Jared Goff, I think is still pretty inconsistent as a quarterback. Uh, I like the way their defense played. I like their <clears throat> safety, Tracy Walker. He was all over the place. Yeah, and very good out of the game after, you know, hitting hurts when he costly mistakes. Squad. Yep. Yeah, but he's a good, he's a really good safety. At least he was in this game. He was all over the place. He was the heart and soul of that defense, I yeah, thought. I thought so too. And and you know, the Eagles did a good job against Hutchinson, but even he was in the backfield a few times. So I think he's gonna get better. You know, I think the Lions will have a better defense, but I still, again, maybe Jamison Williams will help spark this offense a little bit. But right now the offense to me uh does not look like it's gonna be able to score 35 points every week like they did against the Eagles. Um, and hopefully the fans keep buying in, man, because that was a great, great environment to be uh, be a part of. I mean, that place, I'm telling you, was just one of the loudest stadiums I've been in. And I know they got the low roof out there at Ford Field. You know, every the field, the stands are close to the field, so they're right on top of you. I mean, it's just a great environment. It was cool to see. It was nice to see for the Lions who struggled yeah. for so long. At least there was some sense of optimism for even if it was a week. Big yep. deal. Yep. Uh, I know we got to get you out of here. Last question, though. I got to talk about these these Vikings. 
they had, you know, from a statistical standpoint, I think the most balanced offensive attack in terms of pass plays, run plays. We saw Swift and even Jamal Williams gash, gash the defense in the run game. Dalvin Cook is as good as it gets. He creates a lot of missed tackles, yards after contact. Then you got to account for J.J. and Thielen on the outside. I mean, how do the Eagles stack up? If the Lions put up 35, how are the Eagles going to stack up against this Viking squad who beat, you know, uh, a Green Bay Packers team that a lot of people thought were the, you know, NFC contender? Yeah, I didn't. But, you know, it's still a good win for the for the Vikings. Um, You know, you didn't mention Jalen Rager's name in there. Uh, Man. (laughs) (laughs) But listen, Rager was on the field for. A grand total of zero offensive snaps, uh, returned one punt for seven yards. You know, maybe again, his role will grow, but you know, he's no big deal. You're right. Jeff Jefferson to me, I mean, this guy, he could win the MVP, like if he 180 something yards this past week, uh, 10 catches, whatever it was, nine catches. Maybe his his first good. three seasons are like Jerry Rice, like type My of goodness. Yeah. yeah. I don't know how the Eagles are going to cover him, Rick. I really don't. I mean, they struggled to cover some of these Lions receivers. Uh, the Lions receivers dropped some passes um, on Sunday, or there could have been more damage against the secondary. So, listen, again, Jonathan Gannon has the pieces, right? He's got Slay. He's got Bradbury. He brought in C.D. Juice. And you got to figure it out, man. you got to figure out what you're going to do against this passing attack. And you're right about Cook. Very good. Very, you know, they like to run the ball. Yeah, I think 90 yards on, I don't know, 15 carries, but they used uh, Madison a little bit too. So very well-balanced attack. First-year head coach coming into the Eagles' uh, nest, if you will, on Monday night. It's going to be loud there. Uh, It's kind of a sandwich game, I think, for the Vikings, right? They opened with a division foe in the Packers. Then they play the Lions, another division foe, next week. So, you know, maybe maybe the Eagles can uh, can kind of catch them kind of not napping, but, you know, maybe smelling themselves a little bit after the Packers, uh, they beat the Packers. We'll see. I, it's going to be a tough matchup, though. It's going to be very close, very tough. And on the flip side of that, if the Vikings pull off the W, they'll look real good going into Detroit. Oh, yeah. They could be sitting atop the NFC. I'm sure we'll have you back here to talk about it. What can the people at home find over at the Eagles uh, today on SI.com? Well, we'll have something on Jalen Hurts, the, the, the coordinators talk today. So, you know, we'll get a good earful from uh, Jonathan Gannon as to what happened, what went wrong, all of that. Um, I don't know how much he's going to say, but, uh, you know, we'll hear him. We'll have the coordinators, um, you know, and we'll just be getting you ready for the Vikings. Now we're going to turn the page on the Lions game probably after today and start writing Vikings stuff the rest of the week. Uh, we have the extra day, Monday nighter. Uh, so check it out. Uh si.com slash NFL slash Eagles, or just hit me up on Twitter at Kratzy, K-R-A-C-Z-E. Yeah, content overflow over there, along with uh, Johnny Mac of Birds 365. So appreciate the time, Ed. We'll be talking on and off the air, I'm sure. Salute. Salute. That's Eddie Kratz, man. The football playbook, nobody breaks it down like RIC and a place to be here at the Jersey Shore, broadcasting around the universe. It's real football talk. It's Eagles talk. When we come back, we have Lindsey Young from Vikings.com checking in to get that Minnesota Vikings perspective. You just heard Eddie Kratz break down the Eagles. We'll have Lindsey when we come back from the show, brought to you by Ocean Casino Resorts right after this.
go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go back. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go Birds. Back at it again. It's the football playbook presented by Ocean Casino Resorts in Atlantic City with Rick Saratella here, you there. We just got the Eagles perspective from our good friend Ed Kratz over at Eagles today. It's time to get the Minnesota Vikings perspective on Vikings week with our new friend Lindsay Young checking in over at Vikings.com. Good morning, Lindsay. How are you? Good morning, Rick. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on today. Oh, thanks for checking in. And this is your football playbook debut. So, Tell the good friends at home a little bit about what you do over there at Vikings.com. Rep your set. Tell us where you're from, how you got there. Let the people at home know. Sure, absolutely. Um, so I'm actually born and raised Minnesotan. Um, really had a passion for football and, and sports growing up, thanks to my dad. Really kind of a bonding thing, you know, to do with him. And knew that that's what I wanted to get into. I went to college here in Minnesota, and when I graduated, I was 
looking for jobs all over the country, willing to, you know, move wherever and ended up doing some freelance work for a while and some, some contract work here and there. And then I actually started with the Vikings at in December of 2015. So it's kind of crazy to me that starting my, my seventh full season already, um, I am a writer and editor for the team, and so I, most of what I do is written content for the website, for, for game day publications, magazines, and things like that, um, and then I also do editing work for the team as well. So been with the team for a long time now, really love you know what I do and getting to have conversations like this with um, people across the league as well. Yeah, that sounds like a can't-stop, won't-stop situation, and Congratulations on seven years in this new age media. It seems like media jobs do not last seven years. So that's outstanding. You must be doing an incredible job. And that's why we have you on the show here today. So let's talk about this Minnesota Vikings team. Uh, week one, as the chat room is sure to let me know, is the, the week of overreactions, right? Whether that's for good or for bad. Uh, the Vikings off to a hot start. It's just one game, but a lot of people thought the Green Bay Packers were Super Bowl contenders. Here come the Vikings, new coach, balanced offensive attack. I know there was a great atmosphere in that locker room post game. Take us inside the building. What kind of feel with this new regime is going on there in Minnesota? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree. You know, you know, it's it's week one. You can't necessarily put a lot of stock into it, but an awesome start uh, for us. And I feel like it kind of just uh, confirmed or like enforced this, this high energy that's been in the building with the new regime. I feel like um, there's just been a lot of energy, positivity, I think excitement just for a fresh start. And that's not, you know, a knock on the previous regime. I think just kind of a changeover of a fresh start, new landscape is really good for this team and you've kind of sensed that all throughout the spring throughout training camp and even the preseason but then nobody really knows right like what it's going to look like week one when you get your your starters out there and so loved being at home for week one of course um having a great crowd there at u.s bank stadium um and being able to defeat you know a division rival was huge but like you said you know got to keep it got to keep it moving but i definitely think that there's a lot of positivity around this group right now yeah and i know uh the new head coach there kevin stefanski has been kind of they're calling him a player's coach which maybe wasn't the atmosphere before he got there how do you kind of see being around the team his interaction with the players and you know maybe compare and contrast like taking in uh our good friend Jalen Rager by the way from the Eagles I, I want to get an update on him as well sure um and I, it's actually uh coach Kevin O'Connell not, Kevin not O'Connell. So yep. <laughs> I know it's easy yeah. to, easy to misspeak there just with I'm the, botching the all kinds name. of names here <laughs> Lindsay this morning that's what happens when you got a lot of lack of sleep from NFL week one Kevin I O'Connell. feel that no worries <laughs> um yeah I think you know Kevin O'Connell just even being that that younger age I think you've seen kind of that that energy and that ability to to really relate with the players and right when he came in you know he was just so excited excited to be here and obviously when he got to Minnesota after winning a Super Bowl at the Rams like it's kind of a time of the year where players aren't around aren't in the building but he was able to I know connect with some players right away and just sort of hear what they were looking for hear what they wanted he's talked recently about that like a leadership committee that he has with the team 
Um, they recently announced eight team captains that were voted on, and it just seems to be very, very collaborative, which I think is awesome. And you mentioned Jalen Rager. It's been fun to have him come in. I have not had the opportunity yet to have like a one-on-one -on -one conversation with him, but just in his chatting with media and kind of the, the demeanor that he has, he seems really excited to be here and I think kind of like I mentioned before for for Jalen it's kind of a fresh start to a change of landscape and um, he seems to you know have really bought into what coach O'Connell is doing here and coach spoke on Friday just about that kind of the, the buy-in and the excitement of you know coming in right before the regular season and just wanting to contribute um, however he can and and be the guy on punt return and I think our special teams coach as well Matt Daniels he's a first-year coordinator and he just seems absolutely pumped to have Jalen you know he talked about watching him when he came out in the draft and so definitely excited to see what he does and you know I know for for Eagles fans too they've been watching him for two seasons and it'll be interesting to see if he has some success here in Minnesota yeah I did not I was so locked in on the Eagles I think they were playing at the same time as the Vikings so I didn't get a chance to see a lot of what Rager did in his debut I'm sure he's still learning the playbook on offense but was he back there returning kicks or punts uh, for the Vikings week one yeah, he was. Um, no, uh, not kickoffs. We have Kane Wangu returning kickoffs. Okay. Um, but Jalen was back there for punt return. He had the opportunity to return one punt. Um, it was like a seven-yard return. It seemed like more because it really seemed like he was going to get tackled back there and was able to uh, sort of shake that defender and, and get some extra yardage. So it was nice to see him just get that first one under his belt. And I think nice to have that at at home as well um, and excited to see him do more going forward yeah we'll keep a look at over there on vikings.com i know you get a chance to uh, chop it up and talk to a lot of the players so be on the lookout for the jalen rager interview i'm sure by lindsey young and uh give us a little like uh skinny here on the on, on the scouting report like what should we be obviously they have a well-balanced offensive attack uh, what's this defensive matchup going to look like? Where, how, what are the Vikings' keys to victory against the Eagles this week? For sure. Um, I mean, I think like like you mentioned, the balanced offense I think is huge because if if we don't get a running game established right away, I think that can be problematic if you don't establish the run to sort of open up those opportunities for whether it be Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen. Um, we also have KJ Osborne, which we didn't see a ton of in week one as far as um, catches or targets, but he's really been shown to to make a big impact on games as well. So I think that's going to be huge. Um, and then on defense, kind of the flip side, you know, stopping the run. Um, the, we have, you know, great edge rushers this year in Daniil Hunter, who's obviously been at the Vikings since 2015, but coming back from injury now. And then, of course, we also signed Zadarius Smith in free agency. So I think those two coming off the edge are just, you know, incredible and hoping that that goes well on uh, Monday. Hi, Lindsay. How you doing? Sorry about that technical difficulty, but yeah, you know, you were, you know, you were saying, you know, being able to stop the Eagles pass, well, being able to stop the Eagles run game, that's going to be really important. But, you know, I'm curious to know how would the Eagles even be able to stop Jay Jetta, Justin Jefferson? That guy has an arsenal that you can't really predict. And, you know, Darius Slay, those guys, they're, they're going to have their hands full. So, you know, can you speak on just how electric that 
Vikings pass attack can be and what the Eagles should potentially look out for? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's, you know, I think it's not a secret that Justin Jefferson has just had an incredible start to his NFL career. And that was seen, you know, on, on Monday as well, or I'm sorry, on Sunday against the Packers, um, you know, he was able to get open a lot against the Packers. And I think that's the biggest thing with Philadelphia. I'm looking to see sort of how they approach defending him, um, whether they, you know, have somebody shadow him, whether they stick to kind of, kind of a zone defense, we'll see how they do. But, you know, Justin's just one of those players too, where it seems like he can really get, get open in any situation. And even when he is in tight coverage, I've seen him make, these incredible catches where, you know, it's no slight on the DB against him. Like they're covering him just as, as well as they possibly could. And he's able to, to grab that catch. So, you know, he's just a special player. I'm, I'm excited to see him keep rolling this season, but I, you know, I agree with you that the, the Philadelphia defense is going to have their hands full. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, on top of that, Dalvin cook, a guy who's electric in the run game, you know, the Eagles, you know, it's no secret. The Eagles have kind of struggled to stop the run game these, uh, these past couple of seasons. And notably, they, they allowed DeAndre, DeAndre Swift, you know, to do his thing. You know, how do you think the Eagles should go about dealing with a guy like Dalvin Cook? And on the flip side, you know, how does a guy like Dalvin Cook try to battle uh, this new look Eagles defense? Yeah, for sure. Um one thing that I found interesting with the run game against the Packers was how often the Vikings sort of rotated in Alexander Madison with Delvin. And so kind of having that one-two punch was really interesting. I think in the past we've kind of seen it be solely Delvin. So I'm curious to see if Alexander gets in as much as he did against the Packers. But I think the thing with Delvin is he just is able to be so explosive. If he's allowed to get to that second level, you know, defenses are in trouble. So it's it's going to be for, for Philly, they're going to want to try to stop him right away at the line of scrimmage and you know the Vikings will obviously know that so it'll be interesting to see the the plan of attack that they take here on Monday but I'm just excited for the game I think it's going to be a really fun game between two teams who looked good in week one and always exciting to be on Monday Night Football too there's nothing better than that yeah most definitely I'm super excited as well I'm super excited to see uh Justin Jefferson come to Philly uh Jalen Rager is going to have his return to Philly I'm really excited to see that AJ Brown, Justin Jefferson, light show is going to be super electric. Lindsay, we thank you so much for taking the time to come on to the football playbook on just sports. We know you have a hard out at 1115. You take care. You enjoy the rest of your day. And we look forward to talking to you soon. And really quickly, what's your score prediction? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, gosh. Putting me, I mean, I got to go Vikings. Right? <laughs> I know. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I got to go Vikings, but I definitely think it's going to be a big offensive game for both teams. So, We'll say uh, 27-21 Vikings. Okay. All right. I understand. You know, you, you know you're, you're, you're the, home, the home team. I totally get it. But, you know, we'll, we'll see how it turns out, right? Thank you so much, Lindsay. I really appreciate your time and your efforts. You take care and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, guys. You too. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was Lindsay Young from the Vikings.com. You guys, we're going to come back after the break. We're going to get our guy Rick Saratella back up here to finish the show with you guys. We appreciate your patience with the technical difficulties. Hey, listen, you guys, keep it locked. You guys are locked in on the football playbook. I'm your host, Tony. It's just a second. Rick Saratella will be back after the break. Keep it locked. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes 
and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first! And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go birds. We're back at it again. They try to throw us out the club, but we just crept right in the back door. RIC here on the football playbook with you. Shout out to Tone. Sliding in like no problem. He's always got my back. He's the producest with the moostest. He is Tone to Shields with the fresh cut. We'll pop him on, get Tone's take uh, later on in the show. A couple things I want to touch base on. If you're just tuning in, huh, taking you up to the 12 o'clock hour, sports take guys, Followed by Big Sill. Shout out to Jeff Kerr around the NFC East and the Mac and Mac Birds 365 show. It's a double chin strap affair Monday through Friday here on the Jacob Sports Channel from 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. We got you covered. 11 straight hours of Eagles talk, real football talk. Your new home for Eagles football, the pre and post game coverage at the Ocean Casino Resorts in Atlantic City at the Gallery. Nobody. I mean, nobody's breaking down Eagles football like this network. I'm just saying. Hats off to all my uh, compadres on the channel. All right. So we talked about Derek Barnett's injury. 
We had Ed Kratz on, uh, kind of preview that Vikings matchup along with Lindsey Young from Vikings.com. Great job. Touched base on some around the league earlier on in the show. If you're just tuning in, you can catch the replay on the Jacob YouTube channel. If you're not subscribed, what are you doing? Get down on it. That way you get all the show notifications like I do rolling up out of bed. Hey, hey, around the NFC East is on, you know, get the uh, notifications, right? By the way, I appreciate the lookout in the chat for the like button. Show your boy some love. <laughs> yeah, they called me underage, Jeremiah. <laughs> they had to ID me at the gate at the ocean. They're like, do you have your ID, sir? Uh which I do get every now and then. So I appreciate that. I appreciate uh, all the uh, single parents, man. Shout out to all the uh, single parents, man. I don't know how you do it. It's been unbelievable. Um, I've had my head on a swivel. Like, you know, we talk about CDGs. I literally have been like Beetlejuice, uh, having Oceana full-time, school back and swinging, and this new show starting on top of the NFLDraftBible.com and, of course, uh, NFLPA Collegiate Bowl scouting duties. By the way, we had 248 alumni on uh, opening day rosters or practice squads. I think 65 players from this year's game in January. Uh, so shout out to all our alumni there. Of course, Dane Vandernat will be on tomorrow. No, Wednesday. No, <laughs> see what I mean? A lot of lack of sleep here. NFL week one kickoff. We'll have Dane Vandernat on Thursday. It'll be a tutorial Thursday along with our good friend Neil Stratton checking in from inside the league.com. Tomorrow, we'll have the one, the only Kayla Santiago. And uh, we'll also have Glenn Irby from USA Today. Uh, Football Friday, working on Coach Flip again. And then uh, who else we got? Um, oh, Ralph Ventry, sharpening the axe. We'll get predictions. I haven't even had a chance to tally up the predictions from Football Friday and see who came out on top. I know the best bet lock of the week. I plan on going 17-0. and We're off to 1-0. So if you're in a survivor pool, I gave you Baltimore. They took care of business. And they are sitting right now at number four in the RIC power rankings. Real quick here. RIC power rankings. I got Buffalo up top, Kansas City Chiefs at two, not too far behind. Uh, the GOAT, Tampa Bay, sitting pretty at number three. I think they're the top team to beat. I think the the road through the NFC right now in week one goes through Tampa Bay as far as I'm concerned. So Buffalo, KC, Tampa Bay, Baltimore four. I'll throw the defending champs, L.A. Rams, at five. I'm not going to overreact just yet, although I am concerned. Matthew Stafford, throw an elbow. I will give you the benefit of the doubt for now. I'm very concerned with – out of respect, right? Out of respect. I got the Rams at five and the Bengals at six out of respect because the Bengals are my Super Bowl prediction Five turnovers from Joe Burrow, that won't happen again. So I think the Bengals will get it right. The Rams are still going to have something to say about that NFC fight when it's all said and done. Then I have your Philadelphia Eagles at seven. 
followed by your Minnesota Vikings, who they're taking on this week. We'll create some separation. Who's a contender? Who's a pretender? Maybe we find out. We've got the Eagles at seven, the Vikings at eight. And then somebody asked in the chat room earlier, who's going to win this Thursday night matchup between the Chiefs and the Chargers? What a showdown. Woo! <laughs> Who do I like? I like the over. <laughs> I think it's going to be a track meet. It's a coin toss game. At the end of the day, I got to roll with my homies. To me, Patrick Mahomes is looking like vintage, uh, vintage edition this year. So I'm going to go with the Chiefs over. The Chargers, I was reluctant to put my Chargers in the preseason top 10 because I feel like I pick them every year and they just disappoint. They don't do it this year. You might as well just fire that guy, Brandon Staley. He's one of those guys who's just too smart for his own good. If it doesn't translate to victories, then see you later, Brandon Staley. It's now or never with that quarterback. Talk about a quarterback on a rookie deal. We say we say the Eagles' best supporting cast is probably this season because they're going to have to pay Jalen Hurts after the year. Same thing with the Chargers. This is the year to get it done. Otherwise, once they once they give Herbert 45, 50 million a year, the names will change. Just Justin Herbert will be there, but the supporting cast will change. Uh, and then I have, you know, I'll give them a puncher's chance. The San Francisco 49ers. I'm not feeling too confident these days around that team, but you know, you could put a lot of teams in the top 10. So that's how I see it. Uh, let's pop on uh, Tone from behind the stream and on the scene and uh, see how he likes my my RIC power rankings after NFL week one. Shout out. Thanks for popping on there and sliding in, Tone. Oh, you already know I got your back, man. No worries. And I'm so jealous. I don't have a Jacob polo yet, man. It looks fresh to death, though, man. <laughs> looking good today with the cut. Sure. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. You know, just trying to trying to keep it clean, keep it nice and casual, you know. Yeah, thanks for waking up today. We were Absolutely, my man. Phone. We'd, we'd have a blackout on the Jacobs <laughs> channel. Hey, I do my best, man. It's a team effort. <laughs> All right, so I've got the Bills, Chiefs, and Bucks sitting one, two, and three. Bills, yeah. Chiefs, and Bucks. Right now, I would probably – switch Chiefs and Bucks only because really? – I'm, I'm sorry, not Chiefs and Bucks. I'm sorry, Chiefs and Bills. I would switch Chiefs and Bills only okay. because of the way the way the Bills – the Bills turned the ball over one too many times for me. And, they, and they're obviously going to clean that up. And all of them weren't Josh Allen's fault, right? But the Chiefs just seem to be in full control. The Chiefs, in my opinion, they seem to be in full control of their matchup against the Cardinals. Uh, the Bills. And that was the Cardinals, and and, and the Rams. And, the, and they, they knocked the Bills knocked off the Super Bowl champs. Though that was. I, I get, I get it, I get it. But you know, like like you said, Mahomes, he just looked so dominant in that yeah. game. You know, it was five touchdowns. It, it's hard to bet against him, but you know, it's a coin flip. You know, I it's I don't think you can go wrong either way. But you may be onto something with the whole concept of they did beat the Super Bowl champs and. You know, the, the the Chiefs only beat the Cardinals. And I'll be honest, I, th I think the Cardinals have been pretenders for a long time, man. I've, I haven't had faith in, in the Cardinals in forever. I haven't had faith in the Cardinals since they had Larry Fitzgerald with the uh, – with the, um, what's my man? Um, Kurt Warner days. <laughs> well, they had a pretty good squad there. That was a good team. Yeah, yeah. that was the team they made at the Super Bowl. You know, I haven't had faith, yeah. you know, in them since then. You know, ever since yeah. then, I, f I feel like they've just been pedestrian. Right. Yeah. All right, well – 
I, you know, it's hard to argue. Bills and Chiefs clearly cream of the crop. Shout out to my guy, Isaiah Pacheco from Rutgers. I think the fourth round pick led the Chiefs in rushing. Just a name that you need to know. When I went to Rutgers last August, Tone, Coach Shiano said, this is the toughest running back I ever coached. And I always tell the story. I said, Coach, obviously my next follow-up question, he coached Ray Rice. I said, tougher than Ray Rice? And he said, he's the toughest running back I've ever coached. And then Rutgers had Brian Leonard. They had Joe Martinick, for those of you who remember some of those names. Uh, high praise, you know, high praise. And I, I think, you know, Isaiah Pacheco is going to be a player for those Kansas City Chiefs. So do you, would you agree then right now, out of respect, I still have the Rams ahead of Philly and Tampa Bay ahead of Philly. Yeah, that's, that's, I, have, I think that's fair, especially yeah. given the fact that the, the Eagles – allow the, the Detroit Lions to do what they did. So you have – I think that's only right. Um, I don't think the Philadelphia Eagles have really earned to be considered top five in the power rankings. And we're going to find out, right? I think this is going to be a very close matchup with the Vikings. Like Absolutely. That 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 is going to be – I mean, Eddie Kratz made a good point. Like, I'm, I'm thinking Slay on Jefferson, uh, Bradbury on Thielen – and again, I mean, like KJ Osborne, don't sleep on this young man out of Miami. He's a really impressive return man, but he's actually developed into like a legitimate uh, slot. And BC Johnson, a guy that we had at the NFL PA Bowl, seems to always be hurt. So I don't know what his status is. I wonder, though, like Avante Maddox being as physical as he is, he might be giving up some inches to a Justin Jefferson. But I wonder if you maybe slide him on Jefferson in some spots. I'm not putting Avante Maddox on Justin Jefferson at any point in his game. Um, I, I love Avante Maddox to death, but he's not someone I would trust even in the slightest to guard uh, Justin Jefferson. It's Darius Slay or Bust for me. The only yeah. alternative is if you want to maybe throw a different body at him, and that's probably going to be James Bradbury. But it's for me, it's Darius Slay or Bust. My best guy going against his best guy, and I live with the results. Yeah, I think Jefferson might be a tad too quick for Bradbury at this stage of the game. I mean, Jefferson is, he gets in and out of those breaks, man, is that's where he creates all that separation and Bradbury. I mean, he's still solid at this stage of his career. And we saw a big play from Bradbury last week. I just don't know, like maybe occasional snaps and, and Bradbury did a great job lining up all over the field, maybe a snap here and there, but I agree with you. I think it has to be slay all day uh, to just, and you're not trying to stop. Justin Jefferson. Exactly. You have to exactly you bring up a good point, right? Like you're not trying to stop him. You're just trying to make his job a little harder. It's like the it's like the Michael Jordan effect, right? Michael Jordan is going to get his 30 points. But what you have to do is you have to make it the hardest 30 points he's ever gotten. So so that's you know, that's your only hope for Justin Jefferson. He's going to get his numbers, he's going to get his catches, he's going to get his targets. But can you limit his yards after the catch? You know what I mean? That's going to be really important. And the Eagles haven't tackled well. And let's be totally honest about this. I know the DBs played a pretty decent game against the Detroit Lions, but the Detroit Lions had a plethora of drops. So if they catch those balls, then how do the DBs look then? So, you know, it's some it's something to consider. But, you know, this Philadelphia Eagles defensive back group is going to have their hands full with Justin Jefferson. Um, I, I don't know if they double him. I don't know what's going to be the game plan. I think this is going to be one of those games where Jonathan Gannon really has to earn his paycheck just from a scheme perspective. Yeah, he's probably going to need some help from the safeties. So we'll see uh, how Jonathan Gannon schemes for this. Uh, it'll be a big, big test. 
for Jonathan Gannon. And, you know, I mentioned the AFC really looking good because, you know, outside the teams we just mentioned, the Bucks, the Eagles, the Vikings, the Rams, you want to, you know, I threw the 49ers there on the back. And to me, the Cowboys, their season's over. You want to throw the Packers in the mix because of Aaron Rodgers, sure. But outside of that, you want to throw the first place Seahawks in there, Tone? <laughs> Gino. 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 <laughs> that game last night was fascinating because the Broncos, they should have won the game. They fumbled on the goal line twice. It's yeah. and you know, give credit to Geno Smith. He came out, I think he went 13 for 13 on like it was it was insane. He was he was sharp early on. And I gotta give credit where credit is due. He came out, he understood he understood the assignment. He didn't he, he didn't put the team in any bad positions. So um I gotta give credit to Geno Smith in that regard. I gotta give credit to Pete Carroll for making life a little a little tough on Russell Wilson. I get he still threw for about 300 yards or something like that, but um Still, he was 29 for 42. He didn't have to clean his game. And I just think I think this game happened exactly the way the Seattle Seahawks needed it needed it to go. It was a it was a grinder. They had to be the most they had to be the more physical team. They had to be the tougher team. And they had to keep the game low scoring. And that's exactly what they did. And that's why they came out with the win. Tone's take here on the football playbook. He's Tone to Shields. I'm Rick Saratella. You over there in the chat room, we got our eye on you. Shout out to all the chat room people. Hit the like button, show some love. Taking you up to the 12 o'clock hour uh, with the sports take guys where, you know, Tone gets to take his mid-afternoon nap, right? I, what, what's it like for you? Like, what? I mean, how you must have to be up at like 6 a.m. to do the NFC East show, and then you go right up until the sports take, guys. Like, what what does Tone DeShields do after the football playbook? Do you just like dive right into bed head first, or what is what is Tone doing after the show? Well, I'm still doing a little bit of post-production from the other shows. Um, I get those uploaded, and then after that, I might have a little bit of an hour break before I start doing post-production for the National Football Show with Dan Cilio. Make sure you guys lock in on that. We know he loves to push you guys' buttons. So, uh, yeah, man, uh, the, the grind doesn't really stop, man. Just, you know, just constantly just trying to, you know, sharpen what I do, um, sharpen my craft, you know, you know, get better, learn from what I did earlier, and just continue to do it all over again, my man. Brother, you are the Jacob Sports MVP. Are you kidding me? You got my <laughs> MVP vote. You're the man making all that magic happen on the YouTube channel, man. The YouTube channel is looking great. Hey, listen, man, shout out out to those guys. Uh, Shout out to Xander Krauss, man. Shout out to, uh, you know, Big But, yeah, man, shout out to Xander Krauss, man. Xander does an amazing job. Um, You know, he he demands nothing but excellence. And um, that's that's the kind of guy you need, uh, you know, leading the charge, man. Same thing with Big Krauss. Um, Those guys, they demand nothing but excellence. And, you know, when you're a company and you're building it from the ground up, it's a different level of care. It's, it's, it's a different level of tech you have to approach it with. And, you know, I, I understand the assignment and I'm here to you know do my job, play my role and continue to learn and uh, continue to invest in this company the same way it's been investing in me. Yeah, man. He's the people's champion. That's why every time you pop on the show, the chat room always showers tone with love because he's the people's <laughs> champion. He's got his finger on the pulse when it comes to Philadelphia and great work, by the way. On the Eagles pre and post game show, that's the new go to show for Eagles coverage now. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, that's a that's a really great thing that we're building over here. You know, it was the first week, so of course it doesn't come without its own technical difficulties. You know, it's the first one, but the first of many. And you know, having guys like Seth Joyner, Mike Missinelli, 
uh, Derek Gunn, having uh, ladies like uh, Devin Caney, you know what I mean? Having a team like that, you know, it makes the job a lot easier. So they give us a lot to work with, and it's up to me and Xander to make sure we handle everything on the back end. So uh, it's really important for that to be a success, and we're going to make sure it stays that way. No, great job uh, all the way around, all the staff on Jacob Sports. What are we doing, Tone, here? Do we got to get another break in, or are we just going to rock out to the end? Uh, let's hit one more break, and then uh, we'll be able to, uh, you know, rock out. All right, we'll hit one more break. When we come back, I'm going to dabble with some college football. I want to talk a little bit about college football, some NFL draft prospects that I saw, and we'll get more into the Eagles-Vikings when we come back right after this. Football Playbook brought to you by Ocean Casino Resorts. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. It's the number one news at 10 p.m. Action news on PHL 17. Join Shari Williams, Gray Hall, Deuces Rogers, and meteorologist Adam Joseph for all the big stories at a time that's right for you. Action news at 10 p.m. on PHL 17. I get scared sometimes. Of a lot of things. Joining in. Decisions. The dark. The dark. But I once heard someone say. But as I always say. It's okay to be afraid. As long as you face the fear. And keep moving forward. Wherever you are in life, count on the name trusted in insurance for over 80 years. Independence Blue Cross. Welcome to Pond Lee Hockey. We've helped over 100,000 injured and disabled workers obtain benefits, as well as some of the biggest settlements in the state. If you've been injured at work, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Go passionately. Go fearlessly. Go confidently. Go first! <clears throat> Go confidently towards your goals with First Trust, Philly's hometown bank for nearly 90 years, and the official bank of the Philadelphia Eagles. We're focused on getting you over the goal line. So go with conviction. Go with trust. Go first. And go forward with us by your side. First Trust Bank, the official bank of Philadelphia dreams. Oh, and go first. down the home stretch here on the football playbook rick saratella here with you today on this tuesday 
September 13th, 2022. Here with you, talk a little college football before we wrap it up. Uh, I've been itching to talk some college ball with you guys because what a wild, wild weekend it was uh, in the college football landscape. It's hard to uh, believe already three weeks in the books for the college football season already (laughs) some moving and shaking already (laughs) some coaches getting canned already (laughs) some coaches on the hot seat. So let's take a look at it. I hit you with the uh, NFL power rankings, by the way, Steelers were in the mix. They're working out Ryan Anderson, the former second round pick uh, for defensive end there to, to possibly come in and take that roster spot in lieu of TJ Watt. But let's turn to page college football Really quick, the RIC power rankings for the college football. I'm not going to overreact to this Texas game. I got Alabama at number one, Georgia at number two. I know the AP poll flip-flopped them. I'm keeping Bama one, Georgia two, Ohio State three. Clearly the best three teams. I've got Texas four, though, because Texas, and I was talking to Tone about this over the weekend off the air, like if, if Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt in that game, Texas beats Alabama. Texas should have won that game. They were the better team, okay? That's how good Steve Sarkeesian has got these Longhorns rolling. To me, they're the number four team in the league, in the conference, in the NCAA. Kentucky at five. He he wins that game. We'll get into Will Levis versus Anthony Richardson. Woo! But I got Kentucky at five, Michigan at six, Clemson at seven, Oklahoma at eight. And then Lincoln Riley's old team at eight, Lincoln Riley's new to- new team, USC at nine. And I cheated Michigan state, NC state at 10. You know, those are the top 10 or 11 teams in college football as I see it. But wow, let's start up top with Alabama. First of all, first of all, whew, who's the best player in the draft. It might be between two Alabama guys. Cause one, you've had a press box full of scouts seeing Bryce Young run from hash mark to hash mark, throwing the ball all over the parking lot, making some wild throws, making some throws on the run opposite hash mark that only select quarterbacks can make. Not only that, not only that, did you see the poise, the calm, cool collectiveness? He too was at the Maxwell club, had a chance to talk to this young man. Almost every single response Almost every response to the question I asked him, he deflected away from him and praised the teammate. We, not me. That's Bryce Young. We talk about the demeanor of Jalen Hurts. There's a lot of that DNA in Bryce Young. And I thought, you know, Young and Stroud coming into the season were kind of neck and neck to be the first quarterback off the board. Ah, ah. The pendulum is kind of swinging towards Bryce Young right now. We'll see. I have a feeling these two are going to match up in the college football playoffs. But Bryce Young might not even be the best player on his own team. Will Anderson, did you see that guy? Shot out of a cannon, making a a big-time sack, tackle for loss, blowing up the backfield, sealing the, the, the deal for Alabama. Will Anderson is in the Heisman contention. Uh he was in the Heisman contention last year. He just might get the invitation to New York City this year uh, for the Heisman, that is. And he most definitely will get the invitation out to Kansas City for the 2023 NFL draft, which is, oh, 226 days away. 
But to me, uh, you've got Will Anderson, Bryce Young on the same team, throw C.J. Stroud into the conversation, and then Will Levis. My God, the arm strength, the cannon on this guy. Uh, You talk about running that Sean McVay style of offense, Liam Cohen now off to the NFL, but Rich Scangarello comes in. Big things from Will Levis. Uh, I thought he showed why he could possibly be the number one overall pick. And there's going to be a lot of quarterbacks in that first round conversation. I don't think there's a clear cut consensus just yet because we had our guy, Emory hunt CBS sports football game plan. He came on and said, Hey, I think Anthony Richardson is the best quarterback in the draft. And I'll tell you what, he's got a lot to like. I, I, I kind of view Richardson as a bigger uh, Malik Willis with some of the kind of things and magic that he showed in that Kentucky game, I can see the allure for Anthony Richardson. And I think he has the biggest ceiling and upside of any of these guys that we mentioned. So whether you're talking Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, Will Levis, Anthony Richardson, they're all in that first round conversation for me. And I, there's a lot to like from all those guys. I think they are bonafide legitimate franchise type quarterbacks where, you know, last year we kind of had to go searching high and low and, you know, Kenny Pickett didn't even win the starting job. Malik Willis, nowhere to be found right now. Um, so this quarterback class is going to be much, much more improved. And how about the Sun Belt? Break up the Sun Belt Conference. Are you are you kidding me? The Sun Belt Conference? Marshall defeats Notre Dame, who suddenly Notre Dame is 0-2. I see the chat room, too. K.J. Jefferson of Arkansas is a, definitely an up-and-comer. He's a redshirt sophomore, so technically he's draft eligible. But keep an eye on K.J. Richardson. He, he's, a, he's another improviser who could – uh, rise up draft boards, but back to the Sun Belt, man. Break up the Sun Belt. Appalachian State beats Texas A&M. The uh, the the Mountaineers are at it again. Remember the upset with uh, Michigan back in the day? They were an FCS program back then. They are now FBS, but I mean, still to beat Texas A&M, who was in my top ten just a week ago. <laughs> bye bye, Jimbo Fisher. Notre Dame, suddenly that coach is on the hot seat. Oh, and two, man, makes me mourn for the days of uh, Brian Kelly. (laughs) Be careful what you wish for, right? Um, And then Georgia Southern goes out and gets Scott Frost fired from Nebraska. Bye-bye. Woo. Scott Frost, see ya. 15 million guaranteed buyout. We don't care. Wow. Wow. That's a hell of a move. Two weeks into the season. But, you know, I saw the press conference post game for Scott Frost. And this is why it's tricky, man. These these post-game pressers can be tricky because you're still, especially coming off such an emotional loss like that to Georgia, you're still fuming 
on the inside, you're fuming on the seams, right? And you're trying to keep your composure to this damn media, these annoying media cats that just keep asking the same repetitive question, trying to get you to get, answer the way they want you to answer. And he said something that caught me off guard, and I was a little bit surprised. And then he said, you know what? I just didn't have any answers out there today. You're, you're the head, excuse me? You're the head coach of of a power five program. And you just, you just didn't have any answers for Georgia Southern today. Scotty, Scotty, beam me up. I mean, you can feel it. Just don't say it. Not out loud, not to the media. I mean, I thought your comments really sealed the deal on your way out the door. Now, maybe he wanted the can, maybe he wanted the 15 easy 15 mil, the cool $15 million buyout. Scott Frost is no more in Nebraska. What a failed experiment. This ain't UCF, bro. This ain't UCF. That's for sure. Now, there's talk. There's a lot of talk about who that next Nebraska head coach could be. Um, The first name I saw circulate was Matt Campbell, who's at Iowa State. Believe it or not, Matt Campbell turned down stupid money from the Detroit Lions. Dan Campbell was a plan B. Their first choice was Matt Campbell, who turned down, I believe it was $8 million a year. And I want to say they offered him something crazy, like eight years or five years at $8 million. I mean, I think he turned down like eight years, $64 million to go become head coach of the Detroit Lions. What makes you think the, the Nebraska is going to land him? You kidding me? Matt Campbell could do no wrong at Iowa State. Could do no wrong. You think he's leaving that job for Nebraska? Now, now you're hearing Urban Meyer's name brought up. Could Nebraska return to yesteryear? Tommy Osborne days. These aren't your 1990 Huskers, but they could be with Urban in in the saddle. What a ride that would be. This guy's got nine lives as Urban Meyer, right? But we saw, you know, Nick Saban was a debacle in Miami. Went back. If they didn't erect a statue yet, there will be right next to Paul Beer Bryan outside. So... You know, Urban, he's got the health concerns. I know the Fox uh, pregame brought him back. But Urban Meyer being discussed, I think at the end of the day, Nebraska's going to have to settle for a guy like Jim Leonard, uh, who's the defensive coordinator, I believe, at Wisconsin, or a Lance Lapoid, who's at Kansas State and built programs at Buffalo and Wisconsin Whitewater. He won multiple championships. He knows how to build a program. I think that's who Nebraska's looking at in terms of their next head coach. But, man, shout-out to the Sun Belt, moving and shaking. Man, dropping a hammer, putting the FBS on alert, shaking the top 25 polls for sure. And, you know, I saw somebody mention the Quinn Ewers kid from Texas. No doubt he's the real deal, man. I thought he was playing right there neck and neck with Stroud. And if you if you don't remember – I'm sorry, with uh, Young. If you don't remember – he started up at Ohio State and lost out to Stroud. Quinn Ewers, he enrolled early, left high school, enrolled early at Ohio State, could not beat out C.J. Stroud, goes down to Texas, 
finally gets a shot now under Steve Sarkeesian. The kid was playing lights out. I'm telling you, if he if he does not get hurt, the Longhorns win that game. Texas was the better team on Saturday. And Quinn Ewers, I think he's out four to six weeks, much like our good friend Dak Prescott. He's a name I'm going to be keeping an eye on for, for 2024, for sure. For sure. Along with Shador Sanders, who had himself another big day down at Jackson State, Deion Sanders' son. He doesn't get a lot of shine on the national spotlight. Shador Sanders, another name for the 2024 NFL draft. A um, couple other games I want to sneak in here. So right after the Texas and Alabama game, I catch the end not too far up the road here in Jersey. I catch the end of this Fordham-Mammoth game. Did you did you guys see this game? Huh. Fordham-Mammoth, 52-49, 1,400 total yards in this game. Each offense had like over 700 yards. I caught the fourth quarter. It was a back-and-forth affair. And Fordham, uh, Timothy DeMorant, if you remember John Skelton out of Fordham, played for the Cardinals. Tim DeMorant is on pace to be the all-time leading FCS career passing yardage leader. He's a guy on the NFL radar right here at Fordham. And they got a linebacker, uh, uh, Greenhagen, Ryan Greenhagen, who's a tackle machine. Greenhagen had a game last year, I think, came out 30 tackles first week. The guy had about six games where he had 20 tackles last year. So Fordham has got a couple players. And then this running back, number 20, uh, our guy Emery Hunt was on the call on, on the play call for ESPN, by the way. Uh, he compared him to Warwick Dunn. I don't want to go that far, but this number 20 for Monmouth, he reminded me of another 20 from back in the day. Most of our listening audience probably doesn't remember, but if you go back to uh, the Giants Super Bowl teams under Parcells, this kid number 20 looked like Joe Morris, a Jersey guy. Man, that Mammoth number 20, he's got an NFL future for sure, for sure. So I was happy to catch that, man. That was some really good football being played there on Saturday. Uh, so we'll we'll try to sprinkle in. I, don't, I can't promise you that we'll always get college football in on Mondays because there's so much going on with the post-Eagle assessment around the league, NFL edition and everything else going on. But I definitely will sprinkle in uh, the college football throughout the week. We'll do it again on Thursday with Dane Vandernat and get some predictions there. So uh, right now, the big board for me, Will Anderson is your best player on the board. Bryce Young, I have at number two. CJ Stroud at three. Uh, I'll put Jalen Carter out of Georgia, who had a down week at four. And then Will Levis, who I still think could go first overall uh, as my top five prospects in the nation that are draft eligible. Um, and, and, and I, you know, we talked about Texas and Alabama. I thought Bajon Robinson was going to have himself a Heisman moment there uh, when Texas was up at the end, this Bajon Robinson, he's, he's, he's the best running prospect I've seen since Saquon Barkley. Now I was against drafting Saquon Barkley. I was against, selecting Ezekiel Elliott in the first round. Uh, 
I'm sorry. I can't remember. Who's the last running back that was taken in round one and carried his team to the Super Bowl? I can't remember. Uh, could you shake my memory? Oh, that's right. Doesn't really happen that way. Running backs don't really win championships. Even the great Adrian Peterson, who I was all about taking in the first round because he was such a rare talent. He never ran his team into a Super Bowl. Running backs don't run your teams into the Super Bowl. Not in 2022. Who's the last running back that did it? In, in fact, every running back that gets taken in round one looks like a mistake. Because then you got to give top dollar to an Ezekiel Elliott and Saquon Barkley on the come around on the second contract. You want to keep those guys on the second deal. Forget it. Who wants to pay a running back all that money? Now, I digress. Bijan Robinson, rare talent. All it takes is one team to fall in love. There's going to be a team that views him as the luxury piece needed. I think Miami might still have some extra first-round picks. The Eagles have some extra first-round picks. I know Eagle fans will kill me if I say they're going to draft a running back in round one, but, man, Bijan Robinson is an electrifying talent, so I do think he is a round one prospect. And despite Notre Dame being 0-2, that tight end is the real deal. Michael Mayer, I like that kid a lot. Um, he might project like a TJ Hawkinson. He's not as good as Pitts, not as good as Pitts, but maybe like a TJ Hawkinson who I think went in that 10, 11, 12 range in the first round. Um, so that's your college football breakdown. I can't believe two hours of power in the books, man. Just like that, it comes up talking football with you guys here. The time goes by so fast. Shout out to all the chat room people today for tuning in. Uh, we're going to go roll right into the sports take, guys, followed by uh, the National Football Show and Dan Cilio. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with Kayla Santiago and from Delmarva Sports Talking Eagles. We have Glenn Irby checking in from Eagles Newswire USA Today. So we'll see if the Eagles tinker with that roster spot. That's up for grabs. We broke it all down at the top of the show. We gave you Eagles. We gave you NFL. Thank you to our guest today, Eddie Kratz uh, from Eagles Today on SI.com. Lindsey Young, our new friend from Vikings.com. Tone behind the scenes. Great job out of you. Hey, it's time for the sports take, guys. Keep it locked. Don't go anywhere. Make sure you have the autoplay on. Hit the like button. And, hey, the whole crew is coming through. Rob, Barrett, Derek. It's your time. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit.